Episode 35 of the Pilot the Pilot Podcast takes off now. So my name is Ryan Secco, uh, currently flying the Gulfstream G200. Um, we're actually taking delivery of a G550 in August. Um, I've been a flight instructor, I've been an airline pilot, and I've also been a corporate pilot. Aviation what is going on and welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Bear with me as I'm recording this intro from the air, so if I get interrupted, I am sorry. I did not have time to record on the ground. We were just recently moved and all my stuff is packed up. So we're trying to make these, trying to get these out to you as soon as possible. But I'm very excited to release this episode with Ryan Secco. Ryan is a Gulfstream pilot for Grant Cardone. If you don't know who Grant Cardone is, go ahead and look him up before you listen to this episode just so you get a little bit of background. But Ryan is his pilot and he's also very involved in real estate. So this is going to be a great episode. One of the things I'm very excited about this episode is to talk about... One of the things I'm really excited about this episode is just Ryan's outlook on this career, Ryan's outlook on how Convoy to get to where he is today. Convoy 3774, descend out of flight level 220, then cross Frick at 10,000, these angel altimeter 3049er. 220 now, and cross Frick at 10,000, and 29er on the meter, Envoy 3774. Ryan really preaches on the fact that just have a great mindset, just have a great outlook, be a good person and good things will happen to you. Some of the things that we specifically touch on in this episode are how Ryan's friends told him that he wouldn't be able to become a pilot because he didn't come from a rich family. How he went from a part 61 to a part 141 school to finish his training. How Ryan failed his private pilot check ride, and how important it is to find a mentor to help guide you on this process and much, much more. Aviation, thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. I appreciate it more than you know. I know how valuable your time is, and thank you for listening to this. Guys, I just want to go ahead and say that we have some amazing... How are you rise on climb out today? They're fine. Southwest 2387, nothing worse than light shot. All right, thank you. Southwest 2387. We have some amazing things planned for Pilot to Pilot. That's just going to be more than a podcast. We have some plans for a flight score review for a job board that's just based on new pilots that just want to get their first job, whether it's flight survey, whether it's towing banners, whether it's skydiving, whether it's a flight school. And we also just we want to make it so easy for people to figure out how to break into this industry. And if you believe in this, please consider supporting us on Patreon or through Pilot the Pilot. That money is going to go straight to Pilot the Pilot to help us make the best community possible and help us support and help new pilots to continue and to pretty much dominate this career. Guys, I'm so excited for today's episode. Like I said, I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. Without further... Water ski 4359, leveling 100, zero smooth. Water ski 4359, clean the center, clear direct Nesto. Direct Nesto, water ski 4359. And with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Ryan Secco. Hey Ryan, thanks for coming on the Pilot's Pilot Podcast. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. No problem, man. Uh, first question I have for everyone is uh, just why did you get into aviation? What was uh, the in- the original inspiration behind it? Well, I always say two things. The, the, the two things that changed my life were aviation and real estate. Uh, and to be quite honest with you, I wasn't good at anything else. And so <laughs> av- aviation uh, was something where for a guy like me who has maybe quote ADD or, you know, where, where I'm always, you know, super, super hyper, uh, aviation was my fix. Aviation was my source where I could actually say, this is a really, really cool job. This is a really, really cool career and hook into something, right? So, you know, my story, it started out where, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
And my family had a small little Cessna 175. And my uncle actually said, hey, let's go flying. And uh, I looked at him one day and I said, you know what? I could actually get paid to do this. <laughs> right. And uh, from, from that moment on, I was hooked. And um, yeah, here, here we are 15 That's years awesome. later. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, for the people that recorded, it's just so crazy how it's all different. But it always seems to be a family member that either was in aviation or took their their son or daughter out to the airport to go look at airplanes and stuff like that. So it's really cool to see that it like kind of, it's a family thing and um, it's uh, who you know and type of deal and anyone can get into aviation now, but it's just cool to see that. Well, everybody can get into aviation, but unfortunately your, your friends, my, I'll never forget it. My best friend told me, he said only rich people fly. Right. And um, you know, we're, we're always all surrounded by people who maybe don't want you to exceed or, you know, but, but regardless, right. I mean, a lot of people around me told me, you know, you can't do that. They laughed at me, you know, cause I mean, I'm not from some super rich, wealthy family. It was like, we, we scrapped things together, right? I mean, we actually rebuilt the Cessna 175. So the thing flew straight, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a 2008, it was actually a 1960. Oh, nice. So you know, when you, when you start thinking about aviation, um, it, it really reminds me of if you're a student and you want to explore aviation is just, it, it's where it's at. I mean, it, it, it truly changed my life. So I'm excited about it. That's awesome. And you kind of mentioned how, um, I don't know if you were diagnosed with ADD or you just are self-diagnosed with ADD, but did you have any trouble getting a medical with ADD or was it all smooth? Because I had a couple of people messaging me as of recently saying that their maybe AME or their medical examiner won't give them a, a first class medical because they have ADD or they don't know what to do next in that process. Did you have any issues with that at all? You know, I, you know, one thing my mother did right is she told the school that they weren't going to put me on medication. Nice. Um, I, I was, I was, you know, diagnosed with ADD, whatever that means. I don't even know if that, <laughs> that means anything. Right. Um, but I was, I was just a kid who wanted to do more, right? I was just a kid who had a lot of passion and it was perceived as ADD. So, you know, for me, if you're on medication, I, I don't know that route. I've never been down that route. Um, so yeah. Cool. All right, cool. So let's go ahead and go into your training a little bit. You said you flew the 175. Did you take your check rides in that or did you go to an actual flight school to do your training? Yeah. So I started out part 61 Okay. and people always ask me, they're like, how do I get my private pilot license? Right. And for me, I started 61. That was the easiest way. Uh, hit four or five or seven hours, whatever it is, did my solos. Uh, I started out in the 175. What I found, so the 175 that I started flying, it was actually had a, a variable pitch prop, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't think much of it, but it's it's you know it's an extra lever up in the flight deck when you're first starting out. Um, it's not confusing, but it's a little bit more than a 150, right? Right. Yeah. So I actually I actually started with the 175, um, went back and did a lot of uh, uh, touch and goes and a lot of training in a 150. So I got that experience right out of the gate from you know I called a 150. It's a push and pull, right? Right. You push on the throttle and you pull back on the throttle and you either take off or you land. So it's very, very simple airplane. So I had a couple different airplanes uh, that I started out in. And then once I realized that that's what I wanted to do as a career, like I was like, okay, this is it. Uh, I joined a 141 school that okay. took me from instrument all the way to um, airlines. Where, uh, where did you do the 141 school? I did that at uh, RAA, so it was Regional Airline Academy. Uh, I don't know if they're around anymore. They uh, had a, a, a main hub in Deland, Florida, and then they had a satellite office that I went to 
in Mesa, Arizona. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't know if I've heard of them, so I'm not sure they're still around, but that's cool. Did you see any big differences between a 141 and a 61 school? Because I did uh, my private pilot training. Kind of, I did everything opposite of what you did. I did my private pilot license up at Ohio State University, and then I did everything else at a 61 school down in Charlotte. And I found, it's just me personally, that different schools work for different people, but the right. 61 school just allowed me to get things done so much faster. I didn't have to do these certain flights to like get on to check. I didn't have to check all these boxes. I could pretty much work on what I needed to work on. Interesting. Interesting. Cause see, I actually believe the, the complete opposite. Yeah. That's yeah. See, it's funny how that's why there are two different schools that work out for two different people because there's different people in aviation. So different things work for different people. Well, and I, and I, and I also think it depends on your flight instructor too, right? That's very true. Um, you know, my flight instructor, he was an accountant by day and a flight instructor by night. Right. So he, he, he really didn't have what I needed because look, I'm all or nothing kind of guy. I wanted to be an airline pilot. That's what I set my sights on. That's what I wanted to do. And I was 18 years old. By the age of 21, I got hired on at a United Express carrier. It's called GoJet. Oh, nice. And uh, we were based out of St. Louis, Missouri, flying the CRJ 700. Now, see, my goal was always to fly the CRJ 200 and also the Saab because those were the airlines, um, SkyWest, uh, uh, Colgan, a couple right. different airline airlines had. But you know, when I got the opportunity to fly the CRJ 700, I was all over it and, you know, it, it worked out great. Oh, so. yeah. CRJ 700, I would probably rank a little bit above the Saab and the CRJ 200. Just, just a little, just, just, just a little bit. Yep. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome, man. So what was the pro, like, so you did your training. Did you have any check rides that kind of were, that you struggled with at all? Did you have any like good stories from your training or was everything pretty smooth? Oh, I mean, look, I was 18 years old. I showed up for my private pilot check ride. Um, you know, didn't have my shit together. Right. right. And, and th this is a lesson that I learned very early on. I failed my private pilot check ride. And, you know, it was because I, when I went to go and plan and, you know, to do everything, there's a lot of variables that pop up. But what it made me realize, it was like, hey, look, you either have to take this very, very serious or you're not going to be successful. Right. Right. So the guy, the guy that I did my check ride with, he was an airline pilot and he knew that's what I wanted to do. And so I was going through my, my flight planning. He's like, well, what are these, these military training routes? And I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't really know. And so it also taught me how to kind of think outside the box. Like if you don't know something, you always have to refer to something, right? Right. So whether it's a map and you're referring back to the reference or, or um, um, you know, the uh, legend, you always, you always have to reference back to something. So, you know, look, nothing is ever going to be perfect. No, no training is ever going to be perfect. Sometimes you have to raise your hand and say, hey, look, I need a new instructor. Right. Or, hey, look, I need a, you know, a, a different team to surround myself with. Um, you know, and, that, and that's really where I made the decision where I'm like, okay, look, I'm going to go all in. And so I'm going to go to a 141 school where I'm around younger guys, younger women like myself. We're training together. We're going to you know, eat, sleep, crap aviation together and that's really where this whole snowball effect picked up for me and that's really where i started to become super super successful in the system you know what i mean and i hate to call it the system but that's what it is yeah no for sure it definitely is a system i mean there's a it's pretty much a specific way how most people get they go to 141 school they come an instructor they go to the really they go to the regionals with hopes of getting to a major and that's just kind of point A to point B, but it's like you said, I like what you said about you have to use your resources because you can, you fly internationally probably all the time and you know that you have to 
use all the resources that you have to get to point A to point B. Like not like we said, not every flight is perfect. Not every training is perfect. Adversity is going to happen in aviation and you have to be prepared for it. And it's kind of like you said, you didn't know what that was. That's going to happen on a flight. And if you don't know what that was, you need to know where to look it up, how to look it up and how to make sure you can understand it to fly safely. And, and also use all the people around you, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've learned so many, um, I've learned so like I've had so many good experiences through flying because not only is it you as the first officer or captain uh, or the airplane or the flight attendants, but it's also ground based. Right? right. So, you know, ATC and, you know, the, the weather system and, you know, the just there's so many different moving parts. Um, and again, that's why I love aviation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> there's just like you said, there's so many things. It's incredible. Yeah, it's 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 awesome, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, uh, yeah. what were your overall favorite moments of training? Was it soloing with what'd you say, like four to seven hours or something like that, or was it uh, your first private pilot check ride? Not first private pilot check ride. Was it your first uh, solo cross country where it's just you in the airplane and you get to fly direct enter enter? Um. So, so my favorite part of training was actually uh, completing training. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, I look, I love training and I train every single day and I, and I never forget that the reason why we have recurrent training is to go back and learn what we maybe forgot or maybe we were getting complacent by or, or, or whatever it may be. Right. Um, you look, I've had a lot of training experiences once, once I actually got in, see, I've never stopped training. Once I actually got into the regional airlines, um, my intention was that I was going to become a first officer. Within two years, I was going to become a captain. Within one year, I was going to become part of the training camp. Uh, and so I actually never stopped training. I actually became a part of the the, the training uh, team for GoJet Airlines. And um, you know, I, I ran with that. I was actually with them for almost 10 years. Oh, nice. So I started out as a first officer, ended as a APD, which is Air, uh, Airline Pilot Designee for the FAA out of St. Louis. And so I had a lot of really, really cool experiences with, you know, look, learning, my whole thing is learning, right? Mm -hmm. So I love learning about the airplane. I love learning about the systems. I love learning about, um, the weather. I love learning about destinations, but most importantly, I love learning about people, right? This is a people business. Definitely. So when it comes to training, one of the key takeaways is I still have friends. I still have people that I talk to on a, a regular basis that I got out of training. So probably some of the key and in, in, in the things, the takeaways from training were, my mentors, um, the people, the other pilots that I still communicate with. And, um, yeah, those probably were the biggest takeaways. Yeah. How important, cause I had mentor too, when I was doing my training, how important do you think it is for a new pilot to find a mentor that they can truly trust and kind of just pick their brain at all times throughout their career? It's everything. Yeah. I would a hundred percent agree. It's everything in, in training. It's everything in life. For sure. Drafting is a science. I go over this with Grant all the time. So now I fly for Grant Cardone, right? Yeah. One of the biggest, one of the biggest trainers, uh, whether it's corporate training, whether it's real estate training, whether it's whatever training, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a mastermind behind, um, helping other people. And so if you don't have somebody, if you don't have a mentor, you're actually going to fall behind in my opinion. Definitely. No, I mean, I could see that because those mentors help you become a better person. They help you improve. They help you find, it's like you said, you were, um, you're still friends of you to do your training with, and they can help you find other jobs. And through your mentor, they can tell you how to do this or what you really need to look at for your check rides. And they can just help you out overall. And like you said, that goes with life as well. It's important to have a life mentor as well. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you, you just you, you can't learn by a book. You know, you can't learn by reading 12 chapters in your private pilot manual. You learn by experiences, right? And that's what these other pilots and other mentors give you. They give you their actual they, they give you their experience. Yeah, for sure. And there, that's how you learn in aviation a lot is through experiences. It's a, I learned not to fly through that red cell anymore because of my experience of flying through red cells by accident. I, I don't know if you know, but I'm, I fly freight right now. I fly single, single awesome. pilot, um, IFR and a Pilatus PC 12 out of Northeast Ohio. So we go to Canada and Mexico quite a bit and, uh, we have to, we go through quite a bit of nasty weather as you would imagine. So you definitely learn Very. from your, your experiences. Very cool. Actually, I, I was struck by lightning one time in the CRJ yeah. um, going into, I think it was Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. And the, the, the controller, they, they, they would vector you, you know, based on, you know, their set parameters, right? Yep. And unless you said something, they would continue on down that path because, you know, they're seeing red blobs out there, but they don't see everything, right? They're just, right. They're just trying to complete the mission. And so we're flying between two cells and they're growing. I mean, you, you know that weather out there in the Midwest, it, it grows and it grows fast. Yep. So, so we actually had a rolling ball of lightning hit the nose of the aircraft. And I'll tell you what, it blinds you. Um, don't know if the, the, the instruments, you know, went in and out, but you right. know, based on my, my eyes, they did. And, um, <laughs> everybody felt it through the, cause I mean, there was, 70 passengers on board right so you know you you see that it's a dark it's at night you see that and you feel it and the flight attendant called up she says is everything okay and i'm like yep everything's fine we'll be landing in you know nine minutes yeah we're good. I got, I, i'll never forget i got on the pa i'm like you know it was it was so funny because you have to be calm right right and you're thinking to yourself you're like wtf you know you're like what <laughs> what, what 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 just happened right and um you know you, you get on the pa and you're like ladies and gentlemen from the flight deck you know Everything's all good. Um, had some some lightning close to the aircraft. We'll be landing in about nine minutes. Um, and you know, just kind of rolled with it. Right. You know. So 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 that that's another cool thing about aviation is sometimes you're hit with outside forces. I mean, look, Mother Nature, she does not play around. No, she does not. <laughs> not at all. So. Yeah, no, we've had a couple planes hit by lightning before, and we've actually had a couple pilots not even know when they got hit by lightning. They said there was no really bright flight. Like they saw the flash, but they didn't know there was no, like, uh, they didn't feel it go through or anything. They didn't realize until they went to do, um, like, a ground check after we flew, and they saw a big hole sticking out of, like, the tail or the static hooks are blown off and stuff like that. So it's crazy how it enters one place and it's going to exit the other place, and it's going to damage, it's going to do a little bit of damage when it goes through there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it actually, it actually took off. It actually took off part of the the little uh, uh, wingtip. Yeah. The um um oh gosh, what is it? You know, on the um, static wick. Yeah. It it, it blew one of the static wicks off. Uh, oh off. man. And That's so crazy. we we arrived we arrived in Dayton, Ohio at midnight, and we realized that we you know it went in through the nose and out through the left the left uh, winglet, and we realized that. So we you know I called the company. I'm like, hey, look, um, we just you know encountered some lightning. Da 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 da. And they're like, okay, good. Well, that, that aircraft's out of service until we get a fix. You know, we need you guys to ferry the airplane to St. Louis. So that, that, that created a nice little, nice little extra flight for us. (laughs) Yeah. And and, and you know what I think it was, I think it was like $200,000 later. I actually remember because I was, you know, really close to management. Mm -hmm. I think it was like a hundred grand or 200 grand later, they had to, you know, re-rack all the systems and, you know, fix and, you know, it's, 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 it's a mess that, you know, goes on. Even if it doesn't do any damage, they have to take apart so many things just to check and make sure that it didn't do any damage. So it's definitely a hefty bill when lightning happens. 
yeah, I, my, my, my tail was definitely tucked between my legs on <laughs> next, my next office visit. So yeah. anyway, nothing like waking you up a little bit at midnight going into Dayton, right? Wakes you up for yeah, sure. For sure. Yeah. And sometimes you, you can't predict lightning either. Like there's one time I crossed the front and it was overcast. I was flying a caravan. So I was cruising at like 8,000. It was overcast up at like 12 and it was just like a minefield. It was like lightning here, lightning there, lightning in front of me. It's like you can't predict it. So a lot of times you're just flying around and you, it's not like you can really come up with a game plan to get around it. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what, what altitude do you typically fly at? Uh, in the caravan, we usually cruise around like eight to 10, depending on if it's like a, in the winter, we'll climb up to like 13 or 15 to try to get above everything. And the Pilatus, we will cruise out at like two five Oh, two seven Oh. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. But that, that's, that's where most of the stuff is, you know, yeah. my, <laughs> my experiences, you know, from, from 5,000 to 25,000 is typically where a lot of the, a lot yeah. of the energy flows are. It must be nice flying that Gulf stream where you can just climb on right above it. Be like, all right, see ya. Yeah, so this this airplane goes to four forty five four five zero, and you have to step climb. But the new airplane, it's uh, it's it's fifty one or fifty. It's 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 pretty impressive. I'm I'm actually starting to go over limitations. We don't take delivery until August, but yeah, super okay. excited to fly yeah, the Gulf. That's, that's awesome. And yeah, yeah, and then the CRJ it went up to forty one. We typically we would cruise at thirty eight forty, mm-hmm. just depending just depending on the on the weights in the, right. in, the, in the in the in the months. But yeah, I've I've, I've always been blessed to fly. Nice aircraft because look, when we got the CRJs, they were all new. We were actually taking off, you know, the seat covers, the plastic off the seat covers when we got them. That's crazy. And then, and then, and then now transitioning into into the corporate side, you know, you 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 have a really nice airplane and you take care of a really nice airplane and and you you show up because we don't do any one thirty five. We just do all ninety one. So we yeah. just fly for for one family. So it's super nice. Do you like flying the same plane over and over again, or did you miss getting into different planes? And because you know every plane kind of flies different, so you probably flew a hundred CRJ seven hundreds, but not every plane's going to perform the same. Every plane kind of has its kinks and stuff. But do you like? Do you miss flying different planes, or do you just like flying one same plane every single time? Well, if it's a garbage airplane, I don't like flying it over and over. <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, a serial number one five two, which was the oldest airplane at GoJet. Um, or, or whatever the serial number was. I don't even remember what it was, but you know, we had one five, two to, 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 you know, one seventy five, and then one seventy five to, to one ninety five. Um, there was definitely serial, there was definitely serial numbers that you knew had, you know, different pop-ups or, you know, messages, right? Like little, little, uh, we called them little gremlins, you know, right. or the little, the little guy underneath the dashboard with a little hammer, right? right? You know, you heard different knocks. Um, but no, look, honestly, from airlines to corporate, there's no comparison, especially when you get with the right team, the right airplane, and you have your systems in place. And, you, you know, look, I like, I like managing the airplane too, right? Right. So I love showing up to the same airplane. It's always clean. It's always filled with fuel correctly. It's always, <laughs> right. um, you, know, you know, the owner's slippers are in the same place. Right. Uh, you know, we, we, we tell them when to clean it. We tell them when to park it. You know, so um, – yeah, I, I love getting in the same airplane, and I'm super excited about the 550, right? I mean, that's just a oh, yeah. whole completely different animal, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's kind of funny you talk about serial numbers, serial number like 152. Our Pilatuses are the third 
the sixth and the tenth Pilatuses to ever roll off the factory. So we fly, oh, nice. we pretty much fly the oldest Pilatus. I don't think anyone else operates a Pilatus that's older than us. So we operate some old Pilatuses, but we have a really cool paint scheme on it. And like I was saying before, every plane flies differently, especially the older that they get. And when yeah. we go in one Pilatus, like, all right, well, this is the one where you need crazy right rudder. This is the one where you need to make sure you keep more power. And it's like it idles at different, different areas. So it's all different. It's crazy. So it must be nice just flying one plane where it's like, hey, no, that fuel pressure might be a little bit high, but it normally does that. And you know that plane inside and out. That's right. Yep. Cool. So um, when you got to the regional, did you want to be involved with corporate? Was that your goal, like unions or corporate? Or did you, like, would you recommend a new regional pilot to get involved? Is that important for their career? Or would you say if they just want to be a pilot, they should just fly the line? You know, for me, um, I've always been the type of person where I take what is given to me. When I was going through pilot training, I always wanted to be a corporate pilot. Yes, because I always wanted to be around the people who own the airplanes, right? right? The regionals provide you with a stepping stone where I used to fly a thousand hours a year. Right. Cause see when, when I, when I realized that I wanted to be a pilot, I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to be a good pilot. And then I realized I needed to be a great pilot. And then I was like, okay, how do I become that? So I, the, the regionals are fantastic for that because a lot of my mentors at the regional, now I know we talked about mentors on the training level, right? When you're like getting your commercial pilot and you know, your instrument rating and all that good stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. When you get into the real world and you get into the regional airlines or the major airlines, mentors are the most critical thing in your career because – you find people like for me, I latched on to one in particular, but I had a couple different mentors that were major airlines with American TWA, um, all the big airlines. Right. And so when they came down back to the regionals, cause look, you have to remember these, these cycles go up and down right now. It's super aggressive. As far as hiring pilots, there will be a time like it's just pilot shortage. There will be a time where, you know, pilots are on the other side and people are looking for jobs, right? Yeah. Uh, It just just happens. It's just, it's just, it's just cyclical. It's, you know, it's market dependent. It's the most cyclical industry I think out there. (laughs) One of them. Yeah. And and it's crazy. But for me, I was, I was lucky because when I got hired on in in 2004, 2005, 2006, um, the TWA, the American guys that were based out of St. Louis and Chicago, they were major airline pilots. And so they taught me how to become a major airline pilot. Right. And it's super important because, you know, look, when we get into training, you have to be very, very critical on, on yourself, but also other people. Because if you don't do what you're supposed to do, whether it's, you know, starting out wearing your uniform correctly, to reading and doing the procedures and checklists correctly, to call outs correctly, to, you know, there, there's just a full gamut. There's a huge uh, um, training regiment that these airlines do. And so for me, I loved it. It was like paradise because I would get into the training uh, world and I would learn and I would ask a lot of questions and there was a lot of people to bounce things back and forth. And so it was really critical to um, – so, so to answer your question, I guess in a roundabout way, is if you want to do things right, you have to get around the right people and you have to get around the right companies. So becoming, uh, you know, you know, for me, I'm, I'm very strong in you know, getting into a 141 school because it's very – regimented it's very disciplined and you'll learn and you'll learn fast if you're that type of person yeah when when you go to an airline you want to get in an airline whether it's a regional uh whether it's the main line whatever it is you know typically it's regional then it's mainline right Right. but if if it's a regional airline get around a company who's training you correctly 
and you know from day one and so that way you're transitioned to the major airlines there won't be any laughs or there won't be any hiccups or there won't be any failures or there won't be any uh, uh um you know any issues so yeah definitely and i think it's important to kind of be more than just a pilot i kind of i talk in late other podcasts just like you have a lot of off time. You can do so many other things with your life and you have this time to kind of take advantage of. Don't just sit back and be lazy. You can either be training for your airplane. You could be doing anything to, to better your life. I know you kind of mentioned real estate in a way. It's maybe you can get into real estate, maybe you can get into investing in other ways. But would you mind touching on kind of what you do in your off time? If you, uh, if you, I don't know if you focus on real estate or other things, but would you mind talking about some of that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So what happened was the, the other reason why I wanted to join corporate, right? Um, was because I wanted to get around a team that did other stuff. So Grant Cardone, I joined his team three years ago, uh, and now I'm with him 320 days a year. So <laughs> not only do not only do I fly his airplane, but I also am the director of real estate. So he has 4,500 multifamily apartment units. Because see, when I was 25 years old, I realized one thing: I was a pilot, and I traded my time for money. And I won't get into that whole thing of you know you know, the whole pilot thing and retiring at 65. Cause to me that doesn't make sense. Right. Right. But what I, but what I realized was that I was, you know, if, if, if I was going to be a pilot and I was going to make 80, 90, hundred, 120 grand a year, I needed to invest it into assets. Right. And for me, I wasn't happy with a 401k. I wasn't happy with the stock market. I wasn't happy with, you know, bonds and the traditional way of investing. Right. So my uncle who was in real estate when I was growing up, he always told me, Go and buy real estate, you know, save up 50 grand or 100 grand or 200 grand, whatever it is, and go and buy real estate, put your money to work in that. So that's what I did at the age of 25 years old. I started buying four plexes, three plexes, four plexes, eight plexes in Phoenix, Arizona, and I actually created another flow of income. Nice. And by the time I hit 30 years old, I had 21 apartment units and I wanted to do more. And so I'm like, okay, good. I'm at the top of the pilot ranking, uh, I was number, I think I was number like 18 at GoJet out of 550. That's awesome. So I had 18 days off a year and I was getting paid, you know, 100 grand, 120 grand, depending on how much I worked. Right. And then I had, I had other income coming in from real estate and I'm like, oh, who's this Grant Cardone guy? And <laughs> I found him on YouTube and he's like, hey, I'm getting an airplane, a Gulfstream in 30 days, but I also have a big portfolio in real estate. And so I'm like, lights went off. I called him direct. I called him directly and I said, Hey, I want to fly your airplane. I want to help you in real estate. And I, you know, if you have sales or whatever, I'll do that too. And so I got hired on two weeks later. He gave me an interview. I got hired on, keep in mind, I got hired on as a sales guy, right? Okay. Got hired on as a sales guy, met his wife, Elena. Yeah. Um, two weeks later, they interviewed me for the pilot slot. One week later, I was in training for the G200. That's crazy. And uh, over Christmas dinner, she invited me over for, for dinner. We were in, you know, on one of our overnights. And uh, we started talking to real estate. And I said, hey, put me wherever you want. Put me at a property. Put me in the office. Put, you put me wherever you want in your real estate company. And I'll prove to you that I have whatever it takes um, to also help you in that. So That's awesome. Sure yeah, so, so sure enough, you know, three years later, I'm actually the director of real estate portfolio manager and uh, we also have a private equity company where we raise capital for accredited investors, qualified investors. And um, we actually just closed on 500 units in Houston and we're closing on 240 units in uh, Orlando, Florida. So not only am I a pilot for the company, but I'm also an asset on the real estate side as well. And um, that's awesome. It has been fantastic. I have learned so much and it, it, it's nice for me because I'm able to add value not only as a 
a corporate pilot or as a pilot, but I'm also able to add value in other uh, other parts of the company. Definitely. So. That's really cool. So when you say, so you got hired and you said two weeks later you interviewed. So did you quit your flying job to solely work for him or are you doing that kind of in your 18 days off with hopes of eventually flying? So, so I, 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 I did, um, I did have a leave of absence that okay. I had for the company. And, um, uh, since I knew management, I took a leave of absence for a few months because I didn't know how it was going to turn out. Right. I mean, right. when you go to work for somebody like Grant Cardone and you've never met him before, you're like, okay, am I just batshit crazy or is this going to work? <laughs> right? right. I mean, no, look, I mean, look, we're, we're, we, we tend to be crazy guys, right? right. I mean, pilots. Or, or women, right? I mean, yeah. a, as an aviator, you tend to be pretty crazy. I mean, you there's something wrong actually, in your head if you're when you're a pilot doing these things over and over again. Totally, and <laughs> and you know what? It's it's crazy good because I love like like meeting with you immediately. We had common ground, right? Right. Immediately, we had reality with each other because you're a pilot, I'm a pilot. I know you're kind of crazy, right? And you know <laughs> I'm kind of crazy too, and so that's why we get along. But uh, no, when you sign up for this job, expect the unexpected and just expect to go above and beyond, you know, do your job and do it well. And, um, it's so much fun, right? I mean, you get to be in, you know, you're in a different city, you're with different crew members, yeah. you get to explore and, and people pay you to explore, which is so um, cool, which is, which is, which is fabulous. <laughs> yeah, so. That's awesome. That's really cool. I love, um, I would probably, I started this podcast, uh, last February and the reason I started it was just uh, my wife was actually one of the people that helped me start this podcast. She saw I had my schedules 10 days on, four days off. And in those four days off, I was just sitting around playing video games. She's like, look, you have four days off to do whatever you want. It's like, why are you wasting your life by playing these video games? And she kind of pushed me to to start this. And this is always an idea that we had. So then I started this. And it's it goes back to what you said. Surround yourself with people that are going to help you improve to be the person you want to be. When you're in college or when you're 141 school, you surrounded yourself with the right people that helped you motivate you to get your training done as fast as possible. Outside of that, you found mentors to help you. Maybe like your uncle helped you get into real estate and then you found Grant Cardone and you found all these other people probably with the help of your mentors and the people that you surrounded yourself with. That's right. So it's definitely important to surround yourself. It's um, I played football at Ohio State. I've told other people this. Um, I was a backup quarterback, and that's what they would preach all the time. It's like who you hang out with has such an impact on who you are and who you're going to become. And the people you associate with can bring you down. And it's uh, you're going to be your number one draft pick. If you hang out with these people, you have the chance to throw your life away with two, with one bad decision. So it's important to surround yourself with people that have your your um, have you your personal want you to succeed. And most people don't want you to succeed. No. Uh, and, and look, I mean, I'll, I'll say what most people won't because I'm around a team who allows me to be who I want to be. And and that that's the cool thing about finding a team or finding a job or career. I don't actually call it a job. I call it a career, right? You should find a career and you should get behind somebody, a team that you're going to get so much further um, than you would by yourself, right? Because yeah. I'll tell you, my family, there are people in my family who told me, oh, yeah, you want to become a pilot. Oh, good for you. Oh, you know, that's awesome. But you know, underneath, they're like, I hope he fails. Yeah, 100%. I hope he doesn't make it. That's how it I is. Hope, it. I, I hope he takes a loan for 80 grand and I hope he fails <laughs> and I hope he has to pay it back for the rest of his life. Yeah, you no, know, that's how it is. And that's a sad reality. I mean, just speaking from personal experience from sports, it's like, 
when you you're a teammate with this guy that's probably going to be a first round draft pick and you're like in a lot of people in their mind are like man I really hope he makes it but like truly inside you're like gosh like I'm really jealous of him so I don't want him to make it I want to be where he is and you kind of think in a bad spot and you yeah it's just terrible how that's out there but yeah when I was doing my training there were multiple airline pilots that would come to me and tell me to not get in aviation that it's the worst time you're not going to like it you're going to hate it so don't do it and it turned out probably be the best time to get into aviation was the time that I was starting so you really got to make your own decisions and bring surround yourself with people that you want to be surrounded with yeah how old are you i am 28 nice when did you get started in flying i started my first flight was in 2010 okay cool awesome so that was when i think my flight instructor was making like eight grand a year flight instructing in columbus ohio so and regional pilots were making maybe like 13 15 thousand dollars i don't know eighteen thousand dollars for your first year so yeah my my first year my first year was 24k yeah Yeah. so it's made like right now what is it first year is minimum 45 yeah Yeah. maximum with your first year with bonuses maybe 65 if you come with all the qualifications they need so it's unbelievable what it is right now yeah, but you know what? I don't care if it's 25 or 40. It's the potential. Yeah. So so, so it, I don't know who listens to this podcast. It's probably people who are just getting started or maybe they're already pilots. Yeah, do, whatever it ta- do whatever it takes to get your, your career moving. Agreed. You know, get, get, get momentum. You know, I, I didn't look at how much I'm going to make the first year. I looked at what I was going to look like. Uh, I, I looked at what I was going to make over my whole career. Yeah, for sure. And and and, and so that twenty five thousand, you know, people. I, I have friends. You know, his name's Pat. He always wanted to be in aviation. We we actually in Anthony. They always, you know, we were in training and they were in training and we're like, yeah, yeah, let's be pilots, right? Well, they ended up not moving forward with their career. They went off and did other things, and they always got stuck on. I was only going to make twenty five my first year. I was only going to make thirty my first year, but. When I hit my third year, I was making 80. Yeah. And I was 23 years old. Right. Like, like let, let's all get out of our own heads and let's just, you know, let's just, you know, here, here's a re- reset on reality. You're flying a jet that's worth $40 million for 25 grand. I would actually, <laughs> don't tell, don't tell them this. Okay. Don't tell them this. <laughs> right. And, and people are probably going to give me shit about this, but I would have paid them to fly that airplane when I was 21 years old. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of money. But I'm just telling you where I was because it was – I was paying for multi-engine time in a 310 or a, a Seneca. I was paying you know, two, three, four hundred hours to build time. I was paying. And then I started getting paid to fly CRJ 700. And yeah, look, I mean you, know, you do a lot of training and you become worth more money and value. And there's a point in time where you deserve and you need to get paid right? I mean to right. support your family. But look, start young. Start right. young so you're not complaining and you know you have all these different things and people in your head saying, oh, you're worth more than that. Oh, you're worth more than that. You ain't worth nothing. You're going to be underpaid <laughs> until one day you're going to be overpaid. Exactly. That's just, that's just the truth. That's a very good point. It's like you finally make the money. You don't even realize when that moment was because you're going to – it's going to take forever for you to build yourself to get to the point where you can finally make – because like what? You're 60 to 65 years old for a major airline. You can make anywhere between like three hundred and three hundred fifty thousand dollars which is unbelievable. That's right. And what's crazy about what I have a ton of friends that also, I think out of like, I don't know, maybe we had like 30, 35 students in my grade in my class at Ohio State that were pilots. There was only two people that are flying professionally right now, me and my other buddy. Everyone else quit to do something else. And I hate wow. to say it, but 
Like those, like you said, they saw that you're only going to make 25 your first year. So maybe they signed up for a banking job that they made 50 grand their first year and they thought that was amazing. But their upside on their potential or their upside for kind of investment in themselves is going to limit themselves to maybe like 80 to 100 grand where you, the sky's the limit. You can make 300 grand. You can make 250. You can make 280 depending on where you go. So yeah, you kind of got to suffer kind of, um, it's kind of Gary V ish where you got to like ball in your 20 or grind in your 20s to kind of live it up in your 30s and 40s. So that's kind of what aviation is in a way too. Yeah. I mean, look for me, I'll make millions a year, yeah. right? I mean, people, people underestimate, you know, what, what aviation actually does. Aviation has put me around the people that have made me who I am today. I mean, people that are around me now are, are, are constantly pushing me. So people always underestimate what is aviation? What does it do? I mean, you're moving from Phoenix to Denver, to St. Louis, to New York, to San Francisco, to Miami, to Dallas, all of these places have one thing in common. They all have new people. Right. And when you meet new people, you get new ideas. And when you get new ideas, you learn of new ways to make more money. So Definitely. forget all the for, forget all the start pay. Start thinking about who am I going to meet. I'll tell you right now, my top five goals in life. Uh, well, I'll tell you the first one. It was always surround myself with the greatest, the highest you know, echelon of, of, of society, right? right? So I always wanted to be around people who were high earners, uh, people who were helping, giving back. Um, but it was always, my goal was to meet one new person a week, to meet 10 new people per week. And as I started getting in the airlines, it was super easy, right? Because I was like, oh, the gate agents and the passengers and the flight attendants and the uh, co-pilots and, you know, who, who, you know, the management, like, like you just meet so many really, really cool people in aviation. I mean, it blows the top off of any other career because you will go into FBOs, you will go into terminals, you will go into, you know, minus the storms and weather when you have, you know, <laughs> uh, passengers who are pissed off. Yeah. But I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, the rampers, the people in aviation are so cool. They're so friendly and it's just really one big, awesome community. Oh, without a doubt. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's like you said, like, you could you could go to an FBO and all of a sudden Harrison Ford walks in because Harrison Ford loves aviation. So many different people love aviation. I was out in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, walking out to my airplane doing survey in a 310, and here comes Jerry Springer walking out of his jet. It's like, how when am I ever going to see Jerry Springer in person other than with aviation? Because it can connect <laughs> so many different people, and it's such an amazing like so many people love it, and they just they want to talk about it. It's kind of like we said, we have a common interest. I have a common interest with Harrison Ford because he loves aviation too. So if I ever saw him we could probably talk for an hour just about flying and flying experiences that's right that's right awesome yeah it is you know you know neil armstrong right yeah the first the first the first person to walk on the moon yeah i had the opportunity to fly him out of cincinnati to chicago that's awesome you don't you don't get those opportunities right i mean for for me you know for first maybe some people it's not that big of a deal for me to fly neil armstrong when I was 25 years old as a captain on the CRJ 700, it was a pretty big moment for me. Heck yeah, I was like, like, mama, I made it. My life, my life goals will, have been achieved. And to shake his hand, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you don't get to, I mean, I, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona and California. You know, you're not going to be in Cincinnati for just some weird reason meeting Neil Armstrong. Right. So it gives you, it gives you a reason to be out there meeting new people. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, so let's go ahead and kind of segue a little bit. Um, if you were coming up today in this, how the aviation industry is right now, say you had yes. 1,500 hours, would you try your hardest to be a corporate pilot or would you try to be a regional pilot and work your way up that ladder? I'd do both. Yeah. 
So whoever hired me first, I would take the job. I would start flying airplanes. I'd stay current. I'd train every single day. As soon as you lose the momentum, the the the, the sooner you become less valuable. Yeah. So if if SkyWest or GoJet or Colgan or I don't know, I mean, there's there's a bunch of regional airlines out there. If they hired me, I would show up for class the next day. Uh, it's a great stepping stone. But look, I'm in corporate because there was really two end goals, right? I wanted to be a corporate pilot where I could still remain flying, flying, but I also wanted to have more of a business influence, you know, so I didn't have, you know, so I didn't have to rely on one flow of income. Right. So for me, corporate is the only way. And, and I actually plan, like, I don't look for other jobs. I don't look for other gigs or to get bigger or better airplanes. I plan to stay with, you know, Grant Cardone, his family, um, for however long this, this ride goes, whether it's five, 10, 15, 30 years, it, it, you know, this, this is a career for me. Yeah. How would you, so say you are a regional pilot right now and you, you've always had a goal to, to fly for a Grant Cardone or a Gary V or anyone like that. How would you recommend them go about that? How do they find that job? How do they set themselves up to be in that situation? Well, I mean, it's simple, right? I mean, you have to call them. You have to, you have to get in front of these people. You have to pick up the phone, which most people are afraid to do, and say, hey, look, I'm a pilot. Um, okay, good. We don't have any pilot slots. Okay, what else do you have? Right. Oh, well, well we, have, we have a sales job. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, most people aren't willing to do that. For sure. So, so I'm willing to do things that other people are not willing to do. I'm willing to go and make cold calls for Grant Cardone. He didn't want to get – you know why he didn't want to give me the pilot job? Why? Because he wanted me on the phone selling his products. <laughs> I was going to make him more money than you flying. That's what he thought. Yeah. But what he realized is he's like, oh my God, Ryan's going to take care of the airplane. He's going to travel with me so he can help me on the road. We could look at real estate deals. We can meet new people. We could you know, branch out. So look, I mean, my recommendation for every pilot, whether you're getting in the regionals or whether you're getting into the corporate you just need to stay current. You need to call people. You need to hang out at the airports. You need to uh, uh, add value, right? The yeah. biggest takeaway is add value. Hey, look, I'll sweep your floors. You know, some of the worst, you know, people people see me now flying a G200 or a CRJ or a G550. And they're like, oh my God, he started like that. Yeah. No, 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 no. I started <laughs> sweeping. I started sweeping floors at Falcon Field in Mesa, Arizona for – uh, uh, two companies. One company I got fired from because I fell asleep. I had to work the night shift, right? I had yeah. to work from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. and I ended up <laughs> falling asleep because they, you know, one guy he wanted fuel. He was doing a night flight, and I was I was sleeping. I didn't answer the radio, right? That's hilarious. The 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 the, the, the really cool shop. You know how there's a there's a strict shop and the cool shop on the airfield, right? Yeah. The cool shop. The guy he just you know we we hit it off really really well. I helped the mechanics out. I was their gopher, right? Go get me this. Go get me that. I was sweeping floors. I was waxing the boat. I was cleaning his cars. I was doing whatever it took. So that way I can get flight time. So all my work, like I worked for free. I worked. And as soon as I got my account to $1,000, I went and bought three hours of 310 time or uh, Seneca time or whatever, whatever it was, right? Whatever it broke out right. to. So that, that's all I did. I, you know, it, it, I just, just keep it simple though. Right. 
No, I like how you said that. Like people, yeah, they think that you started in a CRJ. You started with this amazing job with Grant Cardone. But it's kind of like even, I think partly to blame with Instagram that how it is now, like we only yeah. post the great pictures that we have or the great moments that we have or the beautiful sunset and our sweet jet. But we don't really always talk about how, oh, well, the other day I had a 21 hour duty day and I flew through the same line of thunderstorms four times and shot six ILS approaches down to minimums. And it's like, you, don't, right. you don't see all of that. And that's something on my channel that I like to, because I'm a freight dog, I fly, I get yeah. called out at 10 p.m. and I don't land until 12 a or 12 p.m. the next day. And I'm in Mexico or I'm in California. Wow. Or I'm like, yeah. So we fly all through the night, all through <laughs> the day. I'll see the sunset and the sunrise in the same day. So, and they just see me post that sunset picture, like, oh my gosh, I wish I flew a Pilatus and got to see the sunset. It's like, well, you don't know the whole picture behind everything. <laughs> like some days yeah. it's not as fun as it is on other days. But I like, how you, like when you said that you fell asleep at the night shift, it made me laugh because it just thought about like me flying at the night. And if I fell asleep in the airplane, it probably wouldn't be as, <laughs> wouldn't be as good as what, what happened on the ground. <laughs> No, no, that, that, that wouldn't be good. Yeah. I, uh, that, that's, that's hilarious. But no, look, it's, it's cool. You know, you remind me cause my Instagram, you know, for me personally, it's, it's, it's Ryan Seco, right? R Y A N T S E K O. And people go there all the time and they're like, Oh my God, that's super cool. You fly this airplane, da, 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 da. And I do take cool shots, right? I mean, I have a GoPro, it's on the dashboard right. and, 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 and I'm able to do that. Um, but I think the reason why you do it and I do it, and I'm speaking for you because through all the bullshit, through all the ups, through all the downs, at the end of the day, it's still a really, really cool career. And there's nothing like it. I mean, I have no regrets. People ask me, they're like, well, would you have done something else? Nope. Yeah. You know, would you, would you, would you consider doing this? Nope. I mean, look, who I am is who I am. Aviation has built the character of who I am. I mean, right. we used to fly in the airlines. We used to fly eight legs, seven legs, six legs, you know, the max eight, nine hours of flight time, you know, 16 hours of duty day, right? Yeah. But now I fly 200 hours a year, 250, 300. So just grind. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's all good. Put your head down and get to work, and in ten years you'll be probably loving where your life is and liking where you are. So if if you have a good attitude, yeah, I never I never forgot that when I was in training, the, the my mentor is the his name is Captain Bell. He used to fly for U.S. Airways. He told me he says, "Son, if you have a good attitude, cooperate, graduate." He says, "You will go so far in life and in this career if you just have a damn good attitude." That's a good and, point. Uh, if people would just remember that one thing out of this whole deal, have a good attitude, cooperate, graduate, and you'll be very successful in flying jets. And I mean, let's be honest, pilots aren't known for having good attitudes all the time. You know, it's kind of like misery loves company and every pilot just complains about pay, about schedule, about anything. And I'm sure I fall into that line every once in a while, but sure. it's, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard, but you have to remember that say you don't like the small operation that you're at. Aviation is such a small industry. If you rub your owner the wrong way, he has more influence than you could ever imagine. If you get fired or if you get discontinued from that job, they that's not going to look good on your record. And someone like when someone like Grant Cardone sees your resume, he's like, "Oh, well, this guy got fired. Let me call this guy, see why." And it's like, "Well, I don't want someone that has a bad attitude all the time because he wants right. to surround himself with good people." You know? That's right. So yeah, it's, right. it's 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 hard sometimes, but it's very very important. And I have to remind myself to do that as well, just because. And like, you know, everything, sometimes, some days everything goes against you. Everything goes wrong and you just got to plug through and get the job done. Yeah. And look, I mean, I used to freak people out because I was the, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I was a captain at the age of 23. Right. And I would have guys who were, and it's going back to what you were saying about a story, right? Everybody's got a story. 
And some people's story is negative, you know, where they've maybe been furloughed once, twice, three times, four times, five times. You know, we're talking about the good, but let's not forget about the bad, right? right. I mean, these people have a legitimate reason to bitch, gripe, complain. For sure. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they still signed up to do the job. So for, for me, I signed up to do the job. So yeah, did I have, did I, did I hit the timing perfect? Maybe, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I excelled, right. I mean, I, I, my, my graph was, you know, 18 years old, private pilot, Mm -hmm. 19 years old, commercial pilot, 20 years old, flight instructor, 21 first officer, 23 captain, 20, 24, uh, sim instructor, 25 check airman, 28, APD, which is handing out type ratings, right? Not handing out, but giving type ratings. 30 years old, got my corporate gig that I'd searched for 10 years to get. Right. G200, you know, and, and you know, it's just like, you know, you, when you have a graph like that, I, it always goes back to one being. I've got a good attitude. Right. You know, so, 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 so if somebody's just getting started in aviation, don't listen to the person maybe who doesn't have a good attitude. Just keep your good attitude and just say, hey, you know what? You're right. Let's fly. That's awesome. Congratulations. Good job. You know, and, and just, and just be you. Yeah. Just be you. That's a, that's great advice. At the end of the day, just be you. Remember that you love aviation. I always kind of stress that you don't want to, don't do this for the money because you will never be happy because you always think you deserve more money. You always think you deserve a better schedule. So it's important to just remember when you're ever having a bad day, just remember the first time you flew by yourself and remember how happy you were and how happy aviation can make you. I was terrified the first time I did my solo. <laughs> I was I was shaking. I was stuttering on the microphone. I yeah. was like, you know, clear, 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 clear for right. takeoff. Cessna seven nine four one Tango. I still remember it. My legs were shaking. My my brakes were, you know, but but um, every landing builds confidence. Oh, so without doubt, yeah. Those every every crosswind landing teaches you how how you can handle that plane and how you can deal with crosswinds. And like you said, every every landing builds confidence. That's right. Well, cool, man. So I want to go ahead and jump into the rapid fire section real quick, if you don't mind. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. And the first thing that comes to your mind, you go ahead and answer. Done. All right. What is your favorite corporate jet? G550. Favorite airliner? So like favorite airline plane, like Boeing 777, 777, 757. I've never never been on it, but I want to do the uh, Airbus A380. Okay, cool. I've seen those before. I actually had to take off behind one at Houston in my Pilatus. So you can imagine, <laughs> as, you can, oh my God. as you can imagine, they made me wait. <laughs> they were not too happy with how they set that up because I had to wait like five minutes for wake turbulence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the one the one I commuted in the most was the 737. So yeah. it was it, it's been a very, very nice airplane to me. But, you know, now I think of comfort. So if I'm not flying in the front, it's either in the corporate G550 or I want it to be in something where I have a oh, bed. Yeah. It's a A380 or whatever, you know, so. Yeah. When uh, my sister worked in China for the last two years, my wife and I went to go visit her out in China. My dad flies for American, so he flew standby. We flew from nice. Dallas to Shanghai, business class, both ways. And it was nice. unbelievable. It was like, I never want to travel any other way now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah. What's your favorite airline livery? What's my favorite airline? What livery? So like paint job, paint scheme. Um, they all suck. Uh, <laughs> if if I had to think of one, uh, I I love Virgin. I love yeah. I love everything about Virgin. Uh, I think Richard Branson has really done a great job branding uh, American. Their new paint scheme is a lot better than their old paint scheme. Oh, it's more like that that their pearl white is is really really super clean. Um, Continental or or I'm sorry, United. It's it's still relatively boring. 
Yeah. Um, Spirit has a couple cool aircraft, you know, with the checkered black and gray. Yeah. Uh, I typically, I, I, I like the gray, or, or I like, um, we've had talks about painting our airplane all black. Nice. Uh, I don't, I don't know of any airplanes that, that have all black, but uh-huh. yeah. That'd be yeah. cool. What is your least favorite and favorite airport to fly into? Gosh, I don't know if I have a least favorite. Uh, it used to be Chicago O'Hare until <laughs> I learned the system in the roundabout. Yeah. Um, my most favorite airport, I did a really cool approach into Heber City, Utah, coming okay. in, dropping in over the mountains. Uh, St. Martin was really super cool. Some of the islands, you know, the the the, the landings were, were cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. All right. Let's see. Tail draggers or tricycle gear? Never flown a tail. All tricycle. There you go. Um, Piper but assessment. I, but, I, but, I, but I'm not opposed to it. I would, yeah. I would, I would, I would like the challenge. Yeah, I think it'd be, I think it's real. I mean, obviously you see a tail dragger, like dang, that plane looks sweet. So <laughs> obviously I'd want to try to fly it. Yeah. They're sexy, aren't they? Yeah. Piper or Cessna? Piper or Cessna? Um, gosh, I've got so much time in both. I would say Cessna. All right. Would you rather fly over the mountains, the city, or the ocean? The mountains, the city, or the ocean? Yeah. Well, I'm excited to fly over the ocean in the next 12 months because we're going to be doing a lot of international world travel. Nice. Um, the mountains tend to have more bumps, and the city is just super, super cool. So um, do I have to pick one, or can I pick all three? You can pick all three. I'll pick all three. All right. There you go. Yeah, I flew over um, – <laughs> Pretty much, I think it was one of my first trips in the Pilatus that I did. I went to JFK to go pick up freight, and it was low weather. They were crazy behind, and we had to shoot the I or what we shoot the Canarsie VOR over the city. So I had to to follow the city lights on top of the buildings, and it was like distracting to not look at like all the buildings themselves. But it was, it was the coolest view, coolest approach I've ever shot. Yeah, those are cool. I like all those. Right. All right, would you rather have long flights or short flights? Long flights or short flights? Long flights. Okay. And who in the industry would you like to meet most? It could be someone that's either still alive or passed away. So, like, you could say, like, Chuck Yeager. You could say anyone like that or someone that's alive today. Um, who, who is the guy, who, is the guy who, who did the first flight um, across the pond? Gosh, I'm, I'm, why, why am I blanking? Let me see. Uh, Charles Lindbergh, maybe? Or no? Charles Lindbergh. Charles yep, Lindbergh. That's All right. Yep. He, he was a daring dude. Yeah, he was. Charles, that's yep. a good one. All right, Ryan, here we go. Here's one of the last aviation questions I have for you. What, if you could go back and do everything again, or say, even this, say someone today comes up to you saying they want to be a pilot, what is like the top three things you would recommend them to do? Well, there's only one thing I'd recommend them to do, and that's get started. If you have any question, if there's any like, like hey, I want to become a, a pilot, whether it's private, commercial, uh, airline pilot, corporate pilot, stop talking yourself out of it. The biggest advice that I always have for everybody who's like, hey, I want to start flying airplanes. Okay, good. Go to your local airport, get a uh, um, uh, an entry or a lesson. You know, get get your start in flying today and stop waiting because, look, you're going to wake up 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. And you're going to be like, oh, my God, I, I always wanted to be a pilot. That's what people tell me all the time. I've always wanted to be a pilot. You're doing my dream job. You live the dream job. And all I tell them is I'm like, you're right. I do have your job. I do have the dream job because when I was 18 years old, my uncle told me one thing. He said, Ryan, if you start early and you start now, 
you'll look up in 10, 15 years and you're actually going to be proud of what you accomplished. So stop going out and drinking. I don't drink, by the way. Stop going out and, and celebrating no wins because nobody's winning right now when you're 18, 20 years old. They're like, oh, I want to celebrate because I got a good grades or I want to celebrate because <laughs> I got a new job or I want to celebrate because I got this. There's nothing to celebrate. Go out there, put in the time, put in the work, crank it up and just start flying. Yeah. I agree. The sooner you get your hours, the sooner you can start your career, the sooner you can jump up on the seniority list and the sooner you can make more money. And start when you're 16, 17, 18 years old. I mean, just start. That's good. I like that. That's one thing I always kind of, whenever I get a bunch of DMs about that, it's like, what can I do now? It's like, go fly, go try it. Like if you're, yeah. if you're 13, go see if you like it. You don't even know if you're going to like flying. You might've flown a hundred hours in a flight simulator, but you've never been in a plane. You might throw up the first time you get up. So go see if you like it. And then also make sure you can get a first class medical before you drop 10 grand, if this is what you want to do professionally. So make sure you are uh, able, medically able to fly and do all that kind of stuff and go after it. Yeah. And most people are, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it's like, you know, for, for me, it's just, you know, commit and, 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 you know, just go do it. Yep. For sure. All right, cool. So those are all the aviation questions for me. The last one is, um, I've been getting into more of the, the not necessarily self-help books, but kind of just like motivation and stuff like that to, to help me with this, this podcast and this business that I'm trying to build. What are three things that you have learned from being around Grant? What are the, uh, the, the top three things that he's taught you? Maybe not necessarily by telling you, but just like learning from him, from how he lives his life. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I've got, I've got, I've got four things, right? Okay. Um, the, the, the first thing, when you start getting around people of high value and what I mean by that is, you know, Grant operates, his operating system is, is a very high end operating system. And one thing that he always does and he does very, very well is he promotes himself, right? So with your podcast, with your Instagram, with whatever you're doing, you're, you're always promoting yourself as a pilot. You're always promoting yourself, right? And some people consider this, you know, whether you're promoting, you're selling yourself, right? Your sales. Um, you got to sell yourself. So whether it's becoming a, a regional airline pilot and going for the interview, just practice on selling yourself. Like, like, you know, that's one thing Grant does really, really super well is he's like, Hey, every morning uh, I wake up and I'm like, how do I promote Grant? How, wh wh what's the next event? What am I doing? You know, how am I getting multiple flows of income? So that's the first thing is promote yourself. Um, the second thing is commit, right? So once you've decided that you wanted to become a pilot and I'll try to kind of transition these into what's relative, what we're talking about with aviation, right? Yeah. Um, so, so he always talks about committing. So once you commit, you're all in things start to work out. Like when you're kind of like half in half out, you know, this foots in this foots out, you know, bad things happen. And, and typically what happens is you stop doing what you w really want to do. So like when I figured out I want to become an airline pilot, I committed all my friends shed. Like I had no more friends, no longer. I had, you know, my mother and some close family that I communicated with, but I committed, right? So I, I got fully committed into flying. And that's what Grant does every single day. He's like, hey, I've committed to this big event called the 10X Growth Con in Las Vegas where 9,000 people are going to show up. Everybody told him he couldn't do it. And now he has a sold out event that's going to, you know, be epic. And so as I'm around Grant in the team, like Jared and, you know, some of these other high end players in our team, you start to realize that if you promote yourself and you commit what you could actually achieve. Um, the, the next thing is keeping it simple, right? So there's going to be a lot of words that 
you maybe hear in aviation or in the business world that you have no idea what they mean. The first thing and the first advice is always look up the words. The second thing is always understand what the words mean. So if you don't understand what fuselage means, go look it up, right? It's the, it, it, it's, the, it's the main body of the aircraft, and then that's what the wings connect to and the landing gear connects to. And, you know, forward means forward where the pilots sit. Aft means aft where the – typically where the lab is, right, in the back or the cargo. Yeah. So these different phrases, these different terms, Grant's big thing is, hey, how do we keep it simple? Stop trying to overcomplicate things and just do what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to build flight hours – don't worry about learning what it takes to become an airline pilot, right? Go get an airplane, rent it, learn how to fuel the airplane, learn how to turn the key, like on your mag check, A, B, mag, dun, 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 dun. Learn how to do a pre-flight so that way you can actually get to the next step. I think what happens to me and a lot of other uh, entrepreneurs, um, uh, uh, like-minded people is we want to have the end result, right? Oh, we want to, sure. we want to be an airline pilot, but we forget to keep things simple in the start so we could actually achieve that. Cause what happens is you start getting so many words or so many things that you don't understand. You actually start pulling back from aviation. So here's a cool thing. Uh, whenever I get burnt out or whenever I get kind of frustrated with flying or whatever it may be, I go actually with no flights, with no nothing. I'll go and spend time with the airplane. And I'll walk around the airplane and I'll touch the tires and I'll touch the airplane. And I'll just, I'll just hang out with the airplane. Right. Uh, and that actually kind of re-stimulates and that gets me back into flying. And I know it sounds goofy. I know it sounds stupid, but when you have a lot going on, um, and you get into the routine, that's why a lot of people bitch is because they actually forget what they have in front of them, which is a super, super cool aircraft. And you're a pioneer. You're on the front line of, 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 um, of uh, ex exploration, right? Yeah. I mean, you're exploring the world through through the front windshield of that airplane. Uh, and look, I won't run on. The last thing is potential. The biggest thing that I've I, I've realized and that I've taken away from Grant Cardone and from this team is that I was always operating at a like like I didn't realize my full max potential, right? So I was always you know successful. In the grand scheme of things where, you know, me and you hanging out or me and my my ex-girlfriend or, you know, my girlfriend at the time or my family, they were like, oh, my gosh, Ryan, you're super, super successful. You're an airline pilot. You're making this amount of money. You've got real estate going on. Oh, my gosh, you are so successful. But what I realized is that I had so much more potential. And by hanging out with Grant, um, it's really opened me up to where I know, I believe, and I have I, I can do more. Right. So I'm not just a pilot. I'm not just a, 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 an investor in real estate. I'm not just a great boyfriend or a great husband or or whatever, you know, the great things that I'm good at. Um, I'm always like, 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 like whatever I thought I was doing that was good. Just add on like and this goes back to the 10x rule of the book, right? Grant wrote a book called the 10x rule. Just times that by 10 because whatever you're doing right now, your potential is 10 times that. And then once you reach that potential that thing times it again by 10 because people are always underestimating their true potential in life and it's really really powerful when you start actually pushing yourself and in, in, in believing in yourself uh, to what you actually achieve because look and I'll end it with this I never thought in a million years that I'd be flying the CRJ 700 I never thought in a million years that I was going to be flying the Gulfstream G200 I never thought in a million years that I was going to be flying the Gulfstream G550 but look you create your own reality and the more 
you train for an airline pilot or the more you train for self-help or the more you train in the gym, they all help each other. There's so many synergies between the three that you need to be doing them all. Don't just focus on one. Don't just focus on your relationships. Don't just focus on aviation. Don't just focus. Now, sometimes you may have to focus on the one like really, really intensely so you can accomplish it and then you kind of wrap them all in together. But um, never, never underestimate your potential. Yeah, I love it, man. That was awesome. Those are, those are great. I'd have to agree with 100% of those. And yeah, without a doubt. I, I, when I did football, that was one thing that was, it was hard to, to not see your potential because you were so down with not playing or, or not getting to where you wanted to get as fast as you wanted to get, which can also relate into aviation because like we talked about earlier, most people just see what we post on Instagram and they see, Hey, Ryan's flying. He's going to be flying a G550. Like I want that now. It's like you're going to yeah. get discouraged and that's going to hurt your training in the in the now right now. So you need to focus on what you're doing and really attack yourself and go after it as fast as possible. It's like you're seeing your first job. My first job was flying aerial survey. My very first day I got there, I didn't fly. I swept the floor of all the flies that have died in the last three months. So it's that's like right. you, you don't know what someone has done to get there, wanted to get there. And you have to understand that it is a process and you have to trust in your potential. You have to trust in the people around you and you really have to have a a good head on your shoulders to really put yourself in, a, in the best places so you could succeed. Well, look, man, what you're doing, um, you know, with, with this podcast and with helping other uh, pilots out, I wish I would do more. Uh, you let me know anything I can do to help you, uh, or, or, or to help the other pilots. I mean, look, I'm an open book. I, I'm very, I'm very out there. You know, I don't, I don't have anything that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to close the curtains on. So if people want to join me on the GoPro on the front dash, or if they want to DM me on Instagram, you know, I, I'm more than happy to help anybody. Cause look, one thing that I was always looking for when I was just starting out was I was looking for somebody to help me out with. So, you know, I, I, I just, um, you know, thank you for, for, for helping these other pilots out. And I'm sure you probably get a lot of messages saying, you know, wow, I never thought like that. Or wow, you know, thanks for, you know, helping me push me over the edge to actually start flying. So definitely, man, I appreciate that. It's been, it's been a lot of fun to create the podcast and see how it's affected people. And, uh, it's just, it's been great and it's been a lot of fun. So I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your point of view because it's kind of different. Like you, Everyone else I've interviewed is almost just a pilot. They don't really do other things as well. So it's really <laughs> right. cool to see that you can do more things than just be a pilot. You have these days off that you can fully take advantage of and create whatever life you want to create. So you're not just focused on getting paid $30,000 a year flying a CRJ. You can do more than just that. So that's really cool. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Um, thank you so much. Uh, and um, before we get off, or once we, I'll end it right here. And then uh, if you don't mind, we'll debrief for a second and just talk about a couple cool. other things and we'll be good to go. Cool. But yeah, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if uh, anyone reaches out, you know where to reach him on Instagram. He said his Instagram tag earlier. So go ahead and reach him out. He'd love to talk to you guys. And that is a wrap of this episode. Aviation, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I truly appreciate it. I didn't say this earlier, but if you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Leave us a review on Facebook. Email me at pilottopilothq at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at pilottopilot. Like I said earlier today, please check out our Patreon page. We have some big plans for Pilot the Pilot, and any support can help us make Southwest those plans come true. I hope you guys have a great day, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And happy Water flying. 4359, cross Nesto at 10,000. You should bring out the meter 3050. Cross Nesto, 10,000, Waterski 4359.
Center Blue Streak 5036, leaving 16,300, climbing flight level 230. Blue Streak 5036, leaving the center. Blue Streak 5036, climb, maintain flight level 260. Flight level 260, Blue Streak 5036. Blue Streak 5036, contact, leaving center 125.42. 125.42, Blue Streak 5036. Priority Air 08, clear direct Montebello, thanks for your help. Direct Montebello, no problem, Priority 08. 